0: First Baptist Melbourne podcast, making disciples here and everywhere for the glory of God. Church family, it is so good to be able to be back with you today and to be able to study the Word of God uh, together. Uh, I do want to thank Aaron Still, our church planning director, for doing such an excellent job last week continuing our series through the book of Acts. Uh, Remember that the story of Acts is really the story of the church. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a part of his church, then this is your story too. And just to remind us of where we are in this story when we come to Acts chapter 2, by this time the Lord Jesus has already died on the cross for our sins. He's already been resurrected. He's already ascended into heaven. And now 10 more days have passed. Now it's 50 days passed Uh, that first Easter weekend. And at the beginning of Acts chapter 2, on a day that we call the Day of Pentecost, Jesus gave the gift of the Holy Spirit to his church. And it was an incredible day. And from the moment that the Spirit began to indwell uh, those first 120 believers, amazing things began to happen. You might recall that they went out into the streets and began to speak in languages that they had never known and never studied before. And then Peter, who was filled with the Holy Spirit, preached that first Sermon, incredible message about who Jesus is and, and what Jesus had done and, and how those who were listening could be saved when they trusted in Jesus. And let's pick up the story right there after the response of the crowd to Peter's message that day. In verse 40, we read, "...and with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, "'Be saved from this perverse generation.'" Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And then fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for this picture of the early church. Father, we pray today through your word that you would speak to us. Father, help us to see and to know how this word is meant to transform us and to change even the way we are living our lives today. We ask it in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Well, again, this teaching series is called Blueprint, uh, most of you know that our church has been finalizing our building plans on our new worship center, and so over the course of of the last year or so as we've been working on this project, I can tell you I've looked at more sets of blueprints than I ever thought that I would look at uh, in my life, and I've gotten an education along with our building team about all the the specifications and the requirements uh, that need to go into that building. I, I tell you I'm just thankful that we have a builder and we have an architect that understands those specifications, And is able to draw out a set of blueprints that will meet all of those requirements. Of course, you know, one of the things that this uh, pandemic has has shown us uh, just again so clearly is that the church is not a building. The church is not this building that I'm sitting in right now. The the church is not the new building that will be built either. No, the church is the people of God. You and I are the church, and we are His church. Now, wouldn't it be awesome in in the same way that we have a set of blueprints for uh, what the new church building will look like? Wouldn't it be awesome if we had a set of blueprints, a set of plans that could show us uh, what the church, what the people of God is really supposed to look like? And I know even as I say that, some of you are already way ahead of me and you know that we already do have that set of blueprints and really that set of blueprints for what the church is supposed to look like it is the entire New Testament in our Bibles. Uh, even especially, I would say that blueprint for the church is found in the book of Acts that we're studying right now. And then if I had to pick one passage out of the entire book of Acts that really gives us that blueprint for what Jesus wants his church to look like, it would be the passage that we just read at the end of Acts chapter 2. What we see at the end of Acts 2 is a snapshot, a a picture, a, a blueprint for what the church is supposed to be. We're going to look harder and more deeply at that set of blueprints here this morning. But you know, even before we talk about what the church is supposed to look like and what the church is supposed to do. An even more basic question is how do you become a part of the church to begin with? When this day started, this day that we call Pentecost, there was only 120 known disciples of Jesus. That's that's it. That was the whole church that we know of at that time. But when the Spirit of God came upon Peter and he preached that message that day, uh, we just read that 3,000 people heard that message and responded to the message that Peter gave about the Lord Jesus. In fact, at the end of that message about who Jesus was, it says in verse 37 that the people listening were cut to the heart. They were broken. They knew that they were sinners. They knew that they needed a Savior. And so they asked Peter, what do we need to do? How can we respond to this? And Peter told them, first, you need to repent. That word means that we turn away from our sinful lifestyle. We confess our sin and we turn away from it. And then he said they needed to demonstrate their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ through the act of baptism and being baptized in his name. And that's it. That's all that Peter said. There was no uh, mountain to climb. There was no test to take. Uh, There was no more work to be done because Jesus had already done all the work that was necessary on the cross for you and I to be saved. And that is the case for us today, just as it was then. Salvation is a gift of God's grace that we simply receive by faith. And the response was so overwhelming. Look at that in verse 41 again. It says, then those who gladly received his word were baptized and that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Now, to be clear, this passage does not teach us that baptism itself is what saves a person. Rather, it says in verse 41, uh, first, those who received his word. In other words, those who received the message that Peter preached, those who repented of their sins, those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, then they were baptized as an outward demonstration of the inward change that God had already brought about in their life. So baptism isn't what saved them. Jesus saved them, just as Jesus saves us. But also notice how important baptism is, right? They didn't put off being baptized at all. Jesus had commanded them to be baptized. And so on that day, 3,000 people believed in Christ and were saved. And 3,000 people were baptized as well. And and what an amazing thing that would have been to witness. I can imagine the apostles' arms had to be tired from baptizing that many people. They were baptizing people all day long. It would have been an incredible thing to witness. And yet, friend, as you hear this story about 3,000 people Uh, being baptized, maybe you know that that's a step uh, that you need to take as well. I don't know, maybe you've come to know Jesus as your Savior, even in the last few months since all of this with the coronavirus began, but you haven't had an opportunity yet to be baptized. Maybe you've been a believer for a number of years, but but you've just never been obedient in that area of baptism. But I want you to know that there's an opportunity coming in just two weeks for you to be baptized and just to identify as a follower of Jesus Christ, we're going to have baptism services on our first weekend back on June the seventh, and all of our services. And you can go to fbcmail.info/baptism and let us know if that's a step that you would like to take here in just two weeks from this weekend. Like I said just a moment ago, when this day of Pentecost started, there was only 120 believers. But now because 3,000 people were saved, now there's 3,120 believers by the time the sun set on that day of Pentecost. As it says in verse 47, more people were being saved every day. We're being added to the church. And so what we see in verses 42 to 47 at the end of this chapter is a moment in time. It's a snapshot of what these first few thousand believers, this first church in the city of Jerusalem, what they did. I believe it's also a picture of what Jesus wants our churches even today to be about and to be doing. And what I see in these verses are five specifications that Jesus has in his blueprint for his church. Uh, My prayer is that this message today is going to be extremely practical for us. As we think about not only how we as a church are doing when it comes to these five specifications, but how we're doing as individuals as well in each of these areas. For the first specification in Jesus' blueprint, he wants us to be a studying church. A studying church. Now we're going to bounce around a little bit as we walk through this passage today, but, but, but the first item here about being a studying church, that comes from the very first phrase in verse 42, where it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So out of the, all the things that the early church was about, at the very top of the list was this. They continued steadfastly. Some translations say they were devoted to, and that's really the idea. They were devoted to hearing and to learning the apostles' teachings. Remember, the church was made up of 3,000 brand new Christians. I'm sure they had a lot of questions. I'm sure they wanted to know a lot more about this one who had just changed their life and saved them. But remember, the New Testament had not been written yet. They had the Old Testament scriptures, which certainly they studied, and all of those scriptures point us to Jesus. But they also had the apostles who walked with Jesus during those three years of ministry who heard the things that Jesus taught and saw the miracles that Jesus accomplished and saw the risen Lord. And so the apostles were able to tell these new believers stories about things that Jesus taught and things that Jesus said. And I can only imagine that as these brand new Christians were listening to the apostles tell these stories, they were probably begging them to tell more. Tell me another story about something that Jesus did. I know that that's what I would have been asking for and you might say yeah well you know that that sounds pretty cool to be able to hear firsthand from from the apostles but but we don't live back then right we don't have access to the 12 apostles anymore i, I would say that that's in a way true but in a way that's not true actually what we have as a church is even better because what we have as a church is the holy spirit inspired perfect record from god of the apostles teaching. What we call that is the New Testament. And when you think about it, the New Testament is the record of the apostles teaching the gospel. uh, Those are the records of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The book of Acts that we're studying now is the record of the early church. All of the letters that we read in the New Testament were written to churches. This is the record of the teaching of the apostles that we have in front of us. And so here is the point. In the same way that the early church was devoted to the apostles' teaching, God wants us, he wants our church today to be devoted to his word, which includes that record of the apostles' teaching about Jesus. That's why Bible preaching and Bible teaching is the very foundation of everything that we do as a church. It's why such a focus in our worship services is on the teaching of the Bible, what we're doing right now. It's why every one of our small groups takes time to study the Word of God in depth and to talk about how it applies to our lives, because we want to be devoted to the Word of God, because this is His Word. It shows us who God is. It shows us who we are. It shows us how we can be saved. It shows us how we can grow in our walk with Christ. It's so important that the Bible, that studying his word is the foundation of all that we do as a church. Now that's why I don't understand why there are so many churches today that that, that have departed from a serious study of the word of God. So many churches that have reduced their teaching time to just just a 10 or or 20 minute sermonette that that often isn't really even about the Bible at all, but it's just a collection of, of, of positive, inspirational sounding statements. But the reality is positive, inspirational statements don't have the power to feed our souls and transform our lives like the Word of God really does. Just like the prophet Amos wrote a long time ago, there is a famine in our land today. But it's not a famine for food as much as it is a famine for hearing the word of God. And believers are hungry to hear that word from the Lord. It's how we can feed our souls. It's how we can grow in relationship with him. Like I said earlier, in each and every one of these areas, I want us to just pause and to think about, even as individuals, how we're doing in these areas. And so we just read that the early church, these first few Christians, were, were devoted to their study of the Word of God. Well, friend, what about you right now? How, how devoted are you right now to the study of the Word of God, to learning everything that God wants to teach you from His Word? How, how consistent have you been, even over this last year or so, in, in, in times of worship, in times of small group Bible study, where you study the Bible together with others even in your personal life, how, how devoted have you been to your personal study of the Word of God? Maybe this is a, an area where God is calling you to grow, even in these next few months, and being devoted to His Word more than you ever have been before, just like the early church. That's one of Jesus' specifications for His church. He wants us to be a studying church, but He also wants us to be a fellowshipping church, You look back in verse 42 once more, we'll read a bit further. He says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. You know, that word for fellowship there is the Greek word koinonia. And the root of that word means to have something in common. In fact, the kind of Greek that they spoke at that time was called koine Greek. It means common Greek, the common language that was spoken in those days. And so when Luke tells us that these believers had a koinonia with one another, he means they had something in common with one another that held them together. Of course, what they had in common is the same thing that we have in common, and that's our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that binds us together as a family in him. And and you know, the closer that we get to the Lord Jesus, the closer we also get to our brothers and our sisters in Christ. Here's what the Apostle John wrote in 1 John 1 John 1, verse 3. He said, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. As we fellowship with the Lord, we will also have fellowship with one another, with our brothers and our sisters were a part of the family of God. And and certainly that's what we see going on here in Acts chapter 2 with the early church. You can tell that they were spending a lot of time together with their faith family. Uh, Verse 44 talks about how all who believed were together. Verse 46 says that they met together every day, that they met in large groups in the temple complex Then they also met in smaller groups in their homes as well. Verse 46 says that they ate their food together with gladness and simplicity or sincerity of heart. It's almost as if they liked each other just a little bit. And here's my question for you. As you hear that description, does that sound like the way you think of the church? Do you think of the church as a group of people that that you are family with, a group of people that you live life together with, a group of people that you open up your home to, that you regularly see throughout the week? You know, just a moment ago, I talked about how many churches, unfortunately, have have strayed from that foundation of studying the Word of God, and I, I believe that's true But but I would say to you that that the church in America today has possibly moved even further away from this kind of koinonia fellowship with one another that we see here in Acts chapter 2. We we have strayed from that. Uh, Very often we think about the church as a place that I go once a week, a certain event that I attend where I I listen to some music that that I like, and I hear a guy talk for a while, and and then I go home, and I live my life the rest of the week uh, pretty much the way that everybody else does, but clearly that's not what we're seeing in the early church in Acts chapter 2. You know, I know all of us have multiple areas of life, and sometimes it almost feels like every one of those areas of life is like another ball that we have to juggle, and we have to keep in the air. You know, we have our, our, our work, life and uh, we have maybe for school for some of us we have, have our family uh, as well and then some of us think about the church almost like it's another one of those balls that just along with all the others that, that we just have to juggle and we just have to keep in the air but but what if we thought about things a little bit differently what, what if we thought about the fact that when we come to put our faith in Jesus Christ not only does he save us as individuals but he saves us into a family, that he saves us into a community with other Christians. And so really, the church is central to who I am. At that point, the church is no longer just one of the balls that I juggle, that the church is who I am. I'm a part of the church through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian who's in community with other Christians, and now all the other things that I do in my life, I do with that identity, as a Christian in community with the church. I think that's a different picture of the church than is common today. But it's clearly how the early church saw themselves. The, the church, being a part of the church, was central to their identity. Now, I heard a story about a man who asked a preacher a question, and he said, you know, preacher, do you think a person has to join a church in order to go to heaven? The preacher was kind of taken off hard by that, but he responded with a simple no, And the man was delighted with that answer, kind of patted the preacher on on the shoulder and said "You know how broad-minded he was to think that way. But but before the man walked away, the preacher stopped him and he said, "Uh, do you mind if I ask you a question? He said, no, that's fine, go ahead. And he said, well, why would you want to go to heaven that way? In other words, when we get to heaven, what we're gonna be doing is spending time with other believers, spending time with our brothers and our sisters in Christ and, and why would we want to go to heaven and spend time with our family in Christ when we don't want to have anything to do with our church family here on the earth? It's a good way to put it. You know, being a part of the church and being around other believers is not a, a burden or, or a nuisance or something to avoid. Rather, it is a great blessing and a great privilege I think that's part of what we've all been missing during these days of this quarantine, this time of isolation. We've been missing our family. And I agree so much with what Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote in his great book, Life Together. This is what he said about the church. He said, it is grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brothers and sisters. Friend, I don't know how the Lord would have you apply these truths to um, your life today. Maybe it's, again, just rethinking that whole concept of the way that you think about the church, not as an event that you attend, but but as who you are, that it's part of your core identity, a believer who's a part of a body, who's a part of a family. that God has called you to encourage others in this faith family in the same way that he's called them to encourage you, but that takes time together. Maybe for you, I don't know, that's the way you already think about the church. You know that you're a part of the church and you love that. But maybe as you just reflect on where you are right now, you would say, you know what? I think God's calling me to get a little bit closer to what I see happening in Acts chapter 2. I believe he's calling me to open up my life a little bit more to my faith family that I've done in the past. Maybe he's calling you to become a part of a small group. Again, we read that they met in a large group. That's like what we do when we meet for worship. But they also met from house to house in smaller groups. And maybe you haven't joined a small group yet. There's an opportunity in our church to do that. We have about 60 small groups for, family, for adults that happen during the week. Uh, we have groups for children, groups for students. Maybe that's the next step for you to connect with some other believers Where they can encourage you and you can encourage them as we live out our Christian faith together. Bottom line, we know from this blueprint of the church that Jesus wants us to be a fellowshipping church. And he wants us to be a studying church. Number three, he also wants us to be a worshipping church. Clearly our worship has had to look a little bit different Uh, these past few months, but worship is such a priority. And because it's such a priority, it's it's why our church and churches all over the nation uh, have worked so hard to be able to offer online worship experiences like this one, so that even during this time, we can continue to worship the Lord. And that priority of worship goes all the way back to the early church. We see it here in Acts chapter 2. Look again at verse 42. It says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Now, many people believe, and, and I agree, that that reference there to breaking bread is most likely a reference to the Lord's Supper. That was a regular part of their times of meeting together. They would have a meal together called a love feast, and at the end of that meal, they would regularly take the Lord's Supper and remember the sacrifice of Christ and remember his resurrection as well. And I can't wait until we're able to take the Lord's Supper again in person as the gathered church in this place. Verse 42 says they also prayed together. I believe they prayed when they met in the temple in a large group. I believe they prayed when they met in smaller groups from house to house. Because, you know, it's only natural when brothers and sisters get together in the family that we're going to want to talk to our Father, our Heavenly Father, together. So they took the Lord's Supper. They prayed. It also says in verse 47 that they praised God together Certainly musical praise was a part of that. Elsewhere in scripture, we read about songs and hymns and spiritual songs. That was all a part of their worship. One thing I want you to notice is just how regular, how consistent their worship was as well. Again, in verse 46, it says they met every day. Every day in the temple or from house to house. We know they met on Sundays, the day that the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. But they couldn't wait another seven days to meet with their church family again. And so they met just about every day together in some form or fashion. Now does that mean that we have to worship with other brothers and sisters every single day or we're uh, somehow sinning against the Lord? No, I don't don't believe that that is the case. We have to remember this is a description of what the early church did. It's not a command that we do precisely the same. But with that, said, certainly as we look at this picture of the early church, we can tell that meeting together for worship should be a regular part of our life. And because of that, what we've been going through for these last few months of not being able to meet together should really be killing us, right? It should be so hard for us because we miss so much being able to meet together with our church family for worship. We should be longing to be able to get back together and to worship the Lord. Uh, because even as much as we've talked about how thankful we are that we have technology like this and uh, that we're able to, to worship in this way, and even though that we've said that while we're alone, we're not totally alone, we're, we're hashtag alone together, right? Even though we have said that and that's true, can, can we all just acknowledge together that that alone together still isn't as good as together together, right? It's still better to be alone. Together to assemble with our faith family. I do know that on one on the one hand, for uh, for moms and dads out there, uh, you know, being able to to go to church right in your family room, uh, not having to wrangle the kids and get them all ready to go out the door and get them all dressed up, being able to go to church in your pajamas, uh, being able to eat some frosted flakes while you go to church, right? That's a lot easier. Uh, than, than it is uh, when we come together in this place, but also we have to acknowledge that it isn't the same. That God does something in our hearts uh, when we obey his command in Hebrews chapter 10 to assemble together with the people of God for worship. And I've heard from some of you who have said, Pastor, when I, when I heard you say last week that on June the 7th, we're gonna start to worship again together, uh, you told me how tears began to fall down your your face as you thought about that and because you just said I I just miss my church so much and I resonate with that I I feel exactly the same way I can't wait to see you I I do know even as I say that that there's some of you who are watching this and and because of health reasons you're not going to be able to come uh, on June 7th it might be a little bit longer until uh, it's going to be safe for you to worship with us again I totally understand that uh, but, but I just want to say this, though. You know, when we get past all of this, w- when the coronavirus is completely behind us, when it's safe for, for all of us to be able to worship together again, I just hope that as a church, we come out of this time more committed to worshiping together every week than we ever were before. I hope that's the result of this. You know, they say sometimes you don't realize what you have until it's been taken from you. And that's my prayer, that this time of not being able to worship together would remind us of what a precious gift worshiping with our church family is. Maybe you're a family, I don't know, that that average before the coronavirus, you average coming to church once a month or or twice a month. Maybe you'd come out of this time and you would say, you know what, as a family, we're going to make that commitment. We're going to be there every week because we've seen, God has shown us what a precious gift it is to be able to worship with my faith family. And I don't want to miss those times together. Now, there's two more specifications that Jesus gives us here in his blueprint for the church. We're going to go very quickly through these last two. But number four, he also wants us to be a giving church. A giving church. Look with me at verses 44 and 45. It says, Now all who believe were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had a need. Now, when it says there that they had all things in common, that doesn't mean, as some people have said, that this was some kind of an early form of of communism or something. There was no government that was enforcing this or taking their possessions or their property and and redistributing it throughout the whole body. That's not what was going on. This was voluntary. Uh, This was something that was done as the need arose. These believers still owned stuff, they still owned houses, and it says in this passage they met in one another's houses for worship, but I believe they understood what the Bible teaches us, and that's that everything that we have really belongs to the Lord, that He's the one who has given these things to us, and He has been so gracious and so generous with us, He has shown us so much grace, and this early church understood that, and because of that, they held their possessions very loosely. And they also had a heart for their brothers and their sisters in their faith family. and So if anybody in their church had a need, and it was within their power to meet that need, they would even go so far, this passage says, to sell those possessions in order to be able to bless that brother or that sister and meet their need. Now, I know you hear that, and, and, and I hear that. That sounds radical to us, but I think it goes back to how we view the church to begin with. Again, if the church is just a a building I drive up to or an event that I attend once a week, well, then we're not going to live that way. But if we understand that the church is who we are, that we're a part of a spiritual family, well, then we're going to be ready, if it's within our power, to meet a need in one of our family members' life, one of our brothers and our sisters in Christ, especially when they're going through a difficult time. You know, right now, our our whole community, our whole nation is going through a a difficult time time and and church, I just want to commend you for really living out what we're talking about right here, for living out being a giving church. You know, within a day or two of when we announced that we were going to begin handing out food to our community on Sunday nights, within a day or two, these two huge containers that we had built uh, right by our main interest, within a day or two, they were filled with food. And, And I don't know how many weeks we've been doing this now, but they've been filled just about every day since that announcement first went out day after day. uh, You have been faithful to bring that food. And every Sunday night, we've been able to give that food out. And of course, don't stop with that. Keep on bringing that food because every week we have more cars coming than the week before. There's such a need in our community for that. But but I just want to share with you, church, that that when a church gives in that kind of a sacrificial way, people in the community notice that. Now, Pastor Doug has told me, who's up here every Sunday night, he has told me, uh, about how many people have uh, just come through that line and, and even from their car when they roll down their window and they just share with them. I can't believe that your church is doing all of this for us. And as soon as you guys are back open, we want to come, we want to worship with you. You know, it's easy to say that we love people. It's easy to say that we love our community, but right now God has given us a chance to show it. To show the love of God, not just in our word, but in our deed as well. And church, let's keep on doing that. Let's be a church that gives, that blesses one another, but also is willing to bless the community as well. Well, there's one final specification in Jesus's blueprint for his church. We've already seen that we need to be a studying church. We need to be a fellowshipping church. We need to be a worshiping church. We should be a giving church. And then if we're faithful to live out all of those things, and by God's grace, we get to be a multiplying. Church, look at verse 47 with me, if you would. It says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So, every day, can you imagine? People were getting saved every day, people were being added to the church. What an amazing thing to witness! course, we know that this is the Lord's work who does that. That's why it says the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. It's his work to save, not ours. And yet, I will say this. If every day people were being saved, that also means that every day people from this church were out in the community telling people about Jesus. People don't get saved every day unless someone is telling about Jesus every day. And so church, let's be faithful to do that. Let's be bold Uh, more than ever. Let's share the reason for the hope that we have and God will use it just as he did here to add people to his church who right now do not know him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the gift of the church. Father, thank you for the gift of a spiritual family that we don't have to live out the Christian life alone. That was never your plan. Your plan was to place us in a faith family where we can love one another, where we can serve one another, where we can encourage one another, where we can teach one another. Father, where we can go out on mission together. Father, we've seen today in your word a picture of what the church is supposed to look like. And Father, we know because of your Holy Spirit that is at work in us that we can look like this. And we pray that we would look like this more and more. Father, we would be a studying church that craves your word, longs to know you more. Father, that we would be a fellowshipping church that has a deep bond of love and unity in our body that is obvious to anyone who steps foot in this place. God, that we would be a worshiping church, that we would worship you with with awe, with a holy reverence as your early church did. Father, we pray also that we would be a giving church. Father, that you would even expand our understanding of what it means to sacrificially give to those who are in need because you have given to us the ultimate gift. And Father, we pray that we would be a multiplying church, that we would get to see you move here in Melbourne, in Palm Bay, and everywhere you take us in this world, that we would get to see you add people to your body, to your church, because of your work in their hearts. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name.